Third wheel. Third wheel. Welcome to the third wheel. With me, me, and you. I really miss um, sometimes just working in a kitchen. Just working in a kitchen? Yeah, I just show up for my eight hours or whatever it is. I do what I do, you know. Mm. We make our jokes, you know, it's physical. Mm. You feed someone, you know that they like that, and that's mm. the end of it, you know. Mm. So. Did you work in a kitchen in the States? Yeah, for years. Different kitchens. Mm. Yeah. It's a classic for creatives, eh? It is. Oh, the yeah. service the, industry. The hospo buzz. Yeah. Hospo or retail. It's the real arts funders of the United States. Mm. You know, that's where all the artists go. Yeah. That's I can't look to... at you and still talking to my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you look really cool when you're in a mic. When you're on mic. You look like uh, like you're meant to be here. All you care about <laughs> is my looks. So it begins. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Okay. Um, so I don't actually know when either of you moved here. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. We moved here together. Really? Yeah. yeah. You met in the... I don't oh, know did you think we met here? I don't, I don't know. We could create Honestly, a new love like, story right now. <laughs> I don't know we'll the go. story at all. Like, oh, I it's just, a good one. It's a doozy. Well, <laughs> spill the tea. About when we fell in love or when we moved here? Both. <laughs> in 2008. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> the first time um, we met. Was no, 2008? We met in 2009, but Ken claims we made eye contact in 2008. <laughs> oh. We did. We, it was at the Cantab. It's like a poetry venue in Boston. It's a very legendary um, poetry venue, the Boston Poetry Slam. I think it's the second longest third oldest poetry slam or second oldest poetry slam in the world. Probably. He likes making up facts. It's, it is. It's not, I'm not making it Look, up. If, if, people, if people doubt, they can Google. You can yeah, Google yeah, it. Google it. It's an, either way, it's old. It's old. Um, but yeah, she was a Boston poet. I was in Denver and I was touring professionally at the time, but I knew I had heard about her poetry and stuff like that. I'd heard about him too. Yeah, and then I In came, a non-romantic way. It was, yeah, it was not romantic. It was, but I was coming up the stairs and she was coming down it and we made eye contact and I just remember that moment. Didn't think anything of it, but. Yeah, and then um, in 2009, Ken came up and just started talking to me. I was standing in line to sign up for the open mic, and he was in town. And I budged, or as you might say, cut to the front of the line. Um, and I was standing next to my best friend, April, and Ken just walked up and started talking to me as if we'd known each other like a really long time and was really casual about it. And then he walked away, and my best friend April turned and was like, how do you know Ken Arkind? And I was like, I don't. He just started talking to me, but I knew who he was. Mm. And then we kind of like hung out a couple of times as totally platonically as friends. Ken yeah. was dating really shitty women at the time. And um, I don't know if we need to say all of this. Okay, well, anyway. <laughs> anyway, fast forward. I'd come to New Zealand. We came on a trip then soon after yeah. as friends mm -hmm. and left not as friends. But as she was romantically going involved. Yeah, I was like, you left angry at each other? <laughs> no, no. We left obsessed with each other. Yeah, no, she came as um, earlier that year with her brother and stuff and was visiting. Or it's just, you know, yeah, backpacking, backpacking around. And mm -hmm. she got a, a, um, a working holiday visa, but didn't quite um, know how that did or did not work, I think is what the thing is. Or you just kind of jumped on it and wanted to reuse it, use it later. And so I knew she was coming back and we were friends and I found myself in a position where I had to get here in order to do a tour that I was doing in Australia called the Global Poetics Initiative, which was like myself and 
Um, it was a really awesome experience. So it was like myself and Jive Poetic and Mahogany Brown and some other posts in the States. So the New York scene, which I had kind of become a part of. Um, and so I had to come over and I had never been overseas before. Like I'd been to Mexico or Canada, but I'd never been off the continent. So it was like this kind of weird thing for me. And I knew she was going and I, she was cool. And I'm like, well, you want to show up and just kind of just bum around and do some shows or something. And, mm. and then, yeah. And so she, she, she came and then I, and then I went to Australia. We were here for like a week or so. And we, I went to Australia and I thought she was pretty cool. And I kept talking about her and my friend Jive was like, well, you better do something about that. So we met back up again in the South Island, and yeah, and that was it. And then she ended up running around um, Asia. You were running around Asia, right, with your brother for a while, and Australia for a little bit. So we didn't actually, we just talked on the phone for the next three months and didn't even speak, but we called, talked pretty much every single day. We, we spoke, we didn't see each other. Yeah, we other. didn't see each other. Yeah. And then in January, we, yeah, we saw each other. You're again. really giving like a minute by minute. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like this is all very relevant. Gives a lot of background information. Yeah, because so like our entire relationship was built around being long distance and being really committed to each other from like the word go. Like, yeah, yeah, just like people have asked, like, how do you do long distance for so long? Because we you know, started long distance. And then I moved to Denver, but we didn't live together. Cause I was like, that seems really risky to move in with this guy that I, I really like, but mm. we're not, um, you know, we hadn't known each other, you know, forever. And, um, yeah. And so we lived in the same city for all of 10 months. And then mm. I went on my merry way to Los Angeles. And so we were in long, we were long distance, like overall, like three or four years. The first time we lived together is when we moved to New Zealand in 2015. We never lived together. Whoa. Yeah. And so, so from like 2010? 2011, yeah. 2011, 2011 to, to 2015, yeah. All long distance. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, and then we moved here and we only planned on staying here for a while. We made a lot of friends. I only and brought two bags when I came here. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. And we visited, we, uh, you know, we made a lot of friends here in the poetry scene and other things like that and kind of came out to, you know, do whatever. And then, um, and we, One thing led still into another, here. and yeah, and now we're here. Permanent <laughs> residence and the whole nine yards. So. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about adopting a cat. <laughs> oh, yeah. that feels like the biggest commitment we've ever made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not the not the like four years of long distance. Not, no, that's not a commitment. Not the ten year relationship hasn't really been a commitment. <laughs> it's it's actually the cat feels really daunting. I honestly feel like that actual, you know, the 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 commitment to the relationships been the easiest thing yeah yeah Yeah. I mean I think that was the kind of thing you just I just kind of knew that I had like a partner mm. like that's kind of the vibe from the jump which was mm. new and exciting yeah that's really interesting yeah it's felt like there wasn't ever a question that we were going to be together it mm. was like all the other stuff all the other stuff Mm. which we can be really bad at making those decisions. Yeah, we're, so. we're complete commitment folks, which is why it's really <laughs> weird that we're so codependent. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's the that's kind of how it all started and then got wow. obviously involved in the poetry scene and all the other mm. stuff. So. Mm, 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 mm. But yeah, but obviously you were both like poets in your own right in a big yeah. way. Yeah, which, which has been really weird because here we are seen as like this amorphous blob known as Ken and Carrie. And <laughs> everyone is charged, you know? <laughs> and when we lived in the States, people were shocked that we got together, in part because we were completely separate identities who lived on opposite parts of the country mm. when we got together as well. So, yeah. um, 
yeah, there were people who legit, who were friends with both of us who legit didn't believe that we were dating because they were like, there's no way you're just like two different, very opposite people in different parts of the country. Like they never would have thought that we were dating. So that's why you had to come to New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. World domination. <laughs> that's what they'll accept us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and now we're like seen as like this power couple. Not my words. Not my words, but my words. (laughs) I feel like it's been said repeatedly (laughs) to me. I never think of power couple. People, because I mean, we'll probably touch on this later, but like I have quite a lot of friends um, who are sort of like in the arts community but don't really know much about poetry. And they were asking me, like, oh, who are you going to interview next? I'm like, Ken and Carrie. And they're like, who's that? And I'm like, the mum and dad of poetry in Auckland. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no? Am I allowed? Is that allowed? Well, um, yeah. I guess it's right. allowed. Oh, I get we don't, weird about that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like being called wholesome, which well, is like a common too, thing that happens. It's a generational thing in yeah. some ways. Is cause back, you know, or that's actually like a states thing even because in the states if you say wholesome, you're mocking someone. Yeah. yeah. But I think this generation, it's probably different now in the states now, but if people say wholesome, they're like, oh, that's actually genuinely wholesome. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I'm like, what? I still feel weird about wholesome. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. I'm like, no. I've worked very hard to not be wholesome. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> I spent my whole teenage years breaking out of wholesome. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> being called wholesome by a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, Ken, you were mentioning when we were downstairs that you got, into, you got into poetry from like zines and the punk scene and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know why. I Maybe because of the wholesome vibes that I just like, I don't know. I don't imagine you as part of the punk scene. Rude. Yeah. It's like, okay. no, it's okay. He just gets up and leaves. <laughs> no, it's just that I think like this actually is a really interesting thing to unpack because people see us as like this, like poetry couple or whatever. Mm. Like we were, I think we were different we were seen very differently in the States and like mm. had this whole life that was like it was lived and now we've mm. come here and it was like almost like that didn't exist mm. because no one's seen that part yeah. of it. And so in some ways we got to start over, but in other ways we're like missing that cred in mm. some ways that we, especially for Ken, cause Ken, Ken is a literal God in the city of Denver, Colorado. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I've been there and witnessed it. And like he had this whole, intense career and like mentorship that he had and I forced him to leave that to come to New Zealand with me so we could be in love together but um yeah like I think that people wouldn't envision Ken Arkind poet in Auckland as punk Arkind but he was I want to know more about it. I want to know more about oh, I, it. I don't. Sorry, I, I took us on a. No, it's totally fine. Detour. I'm just shocked at the words that are coming out of everybody's mouth. The moment we're on <laughs> mic, everything changes. Uh, <laughs> I'll say mean things about you later. Yeah, but no, I, mean, I was, I was, yeah, no, I was an angry young man. You know, I was, I had a lot of, I had a lot of, and I talk about this in a lot of the workshops and stuff that I do. That yeah, I was. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think of punk as a negative thing. I always think when yeah. I think of, I think of the term punk, I think of community. That's what pops in my head. Like my brain, this is, I'm going to sound like a real jerk right now, but I'm like, I go back to like DC hardcore, minor threat, Fugazi, bad brains kind of era, which is this idea of young people mobilizing for a cause and writing angry music that's full of energy because they have a lot of energy and they're mad about things. And there's nothing, there's, that's only positivity. You know what I mean? So I think I stuck, I really was into that when I was a kid. And then I was really, um, I started writing poems because it's just something I could do and it made me feel better. 
you know, and I, uh, you know, I, I talk about, I, I started pursuing it seriously because I had one teacher that um, was the only class I was passing was his creative writing class, and he was really encouraging of me. He's a really good dude named Jared Parsons. And, uh, and so, yeah, so it, that gave me a place to put my energy. And I couldn't, I had no musical talent, so I couldn't be in bands. So I would just get up and yell my stuff, and that gave me kind of the same feeling. And then when I found out that you could do open mics, at that point I was already kind of making zines and doing like little chat books, but I didn't know that that's really what I was doing yet, you know? I just knew what zines were. And then somebody told me about an open mic at this place called the Mercury Cafe in Denver, um, where they did like the Friday night open mic. And it was cool because some of the guys that lived there were like part of this Venice Beach poetry scene, the Black Ace Books guys in Denver that kind of started... Um, um, kind of started like the street poetry scene in Denver. There's two very specific things in Denver that are going on in the communities from the 60s on was the Black A scene and then like the Chicano Civil Rights Poets, guys like Corky Gonzalez and Leila Delgado, which was a very important movement. So you had those two things and the Mercury Cafe sprung from that one. Uh, if I'm not getting like nerdy enough yet, please yeah, stop me. Yeah, this, no, this, histor- this is historian Ken. No, but this is this is good. This is very good because I think that's the thing. People don't know this. People might have like music history knowledge or like art history knowledge, but no, very few people that I know, especially in Auckland, have like poetry history mm. knowledge. So I think mm. this is good. I think this is good. Carry on. Well, well, part of that is like honoring the people that came first. That's why I don't like that term that mom and dad of Auckland poetry because there's so many people that did it here. You know what I mean? Um and that we were friends with, that we kind of jumped on with, you know what I mean? It kind of mm. helped add to that scene, I think, to a certain degree. Um, but I, um, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, but yeah, so there was that, that scene of poets right there. It kind of reminds me a bit of like, you know, like the stuff that goes on with like, I feel like Dominic, um, like Tourette's Dominic and, uh, and like Liam Jacobson and Gabby, like I feel like there's this almost kind of like vibe that's very similar to those black ace guys mm. that I always kind of grew up admiring because mm. they go hard for their city. Mm. And I think that's something that's really important. Um, anyway, yeah, so I, I was, I, I, that's how I got into poetry because I went to the open mic and I was like, oh, this gives me a public place where I can yell my poems at people instead of just at my friends at stupid house parties. And so I just started, and that's how I got into performance poetry. But the first time I saw a slam, I thought it was really silly and stupid. Like people were getting way too emotional over a random score from a stranger. I thought that was really silly. But then mm. um, I saw a group piece, which was multiple voices on stage. And I found out that there was a national poetry slam. And then in the States, which would have like hundreds of poets from across the country that would go every year. And, um, and yes, yeah, so that's when I started getting into it because I saw community. I saw the idea that you could be using the art as like a transformative thing mm. or you could relate to other people or even just enjoy the competition aspect mm. of it or the mm. exciting thing of knowing what people were at what cities and what those scenes sound like, you know, the same way that music is different in every single city. It was the same thing with performance poetry. And yeah, so I kind of fit into my ethos in a certain way. Yeah. I find it really interesting that you say that um, you found slam silly at the beginning. Yeah. Um, both because of the, you know, basis of how I know you now. Um, but also because that's again, something I hear a lot from friends that I have when I'm Mm. like, oh yeah, no, I I like do spoken word poetry. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, I don't really know if I like vibe with that. And then when I, when I interrogate it, they're often like, oh, it just feels really like, like no shade, but it sounds like really whingy quite often. And I was like. Like not, they're not saying that like specifically about my poetry, but it's just like generally about like right. slam and spoken word and like they, their experience of it, which is usually limited, mm-hmm. is one where they perceive it as quite silly. And I wonder where that comes from. We're not those people. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we abide by it very heavily. Um, yeah, I think 
there's also this attitude specifically in New Zealand that I would say is not true necessarily in other countries where slam has been like a really successful tool um, in the States and in Australia and Britain speaking relatively generally that slam is seen as a young person's game here, that it is mm. meant for people like under 24 and they reach 24 and they're like, I've aged out. That's something I used to do when I was younger. There's not like a healthy, strong, like adult uh, growth scene as seen as being as valid as that youth tool. Um, and I With, think like, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think know. that it's a weakness that like we are actively trying to. Yeah combat and and strengthen a space jaffa that mm. could be and should be for all ages and mm. um, voices because we both came from spaces that were incredibly diverse in age um and and background and yeah and that at my open mic or slam in the that I first started going to in the states, like having a seventy year old man slam was not like unheard of. You know what I mean? And slamming against twenty two or twenty three year olds, you know, or whatever it could be, you know. Yeah, it was a, such a vast range, mm. um, and you had youth poetry, you had college poetry, like university poetry competitions, and then you had adult. Um, and adult could overlap with those other ones, but it wasn't the the median age was like over 30, mm. not under 30 in well, those and I, and spaces. I, and I do think that's starting to change quite a bit. I think there's other poets right now that are within that age who of course, are younger yeah. who are really, you know, who came up in like, you know, you know, for lack of a better idea, like came up in kind of the Jaffa type area. But I think, you know, there's, you know, in, but in other scenes as well, you know, like. But I just mean like outside yeah. of our community, like people who view it inwards or like even yeah. people who were briefly part of it and have moved on. Like, I don't know that people feel like there's a space always for them to grow into, mm. you yeah. know. You need someone who gives you an example of that. And mm. not the same way that I think there are historically examples here of in certain spaces, you know. Um, but I think, I don't know, kind of looking at the kind of stuff that like, you know, Dan or Nathan or, um, you know, Nahinu uh, Pakoduro or some of those other poets are taking it more into those kind of professional mm -hmm. spaces. And it's not just they're taking it into a professional space, but they're also accessible in the way that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. That I think that's giving, because like we're at the front line, we have this, we have, you know, seven years of incredible poets that come out of that space mm -hmm. and not all of them have gone on to do other things, nor would they want to, mm -hmm. you know, they could if they want, but they don't have mm -hmm. to. But I, I do think there's some poets that came from that scene mm -hmm. or just outside of it that are now vibing in a very professional way. Mm -hmm. and I think we just need to very quickly clarify that where the front line is, a oh, secondary yeah. school poetry competition. Oh yeah, yes. thanks. Sorry, yeah. we'll yeah, just yeah, yeah. we like nerding out by talking very specifically. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah. no, it's it's yeah. I just thought that one was something that people might not know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inter high school youth poetry slam and mm. and um and yeah, I think um uh I think those poets now are kind of like really making a lot of visibility for it. And also like you know if they it might be harder for some poets to come along and see like you know like they may like the two Americans that are allowed and do poetry but to see someone from their own community that they can relate with to it that changes things in mm. a huge way and I think that's starting to really happen mm. you know so it could be a period of time but there is there is that idea that I think specifically very much in Auckland that it's because the youth scene is so strong here and mm -hmm. has been for so long that people only see it as that thing they don't see it as a different thing to do but if you look at you know I mean look at the work of guys like you know I'll bring them up again like Tourette's like you know what I mean mm. you know he's been going he's been performing his poems in front of people for a long time. And there's also that conversation about, 
can poetry be, can you be a performer and a writer at the same time? Mm -hmm. And I feel like some people in New Zealand have such a personal investment in keeping those two things separate, Mm. for lack of a better term. Yeah. And the rest, but whereas like if you look at the United States right now, you got people like Denez Smith that are being nominated for National Book Awards who came up. Or Amanda Gorman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have these like performance poets. They're not, you know, they're performance poets, but they're also real poets. Joshua Bennett, right? You know, there's this huge group of people that, Oh, I'm sorry. Can I just read my poems out loud? Well, am I allowed to do that? I feel like yeah. there's that's such a distinction. Yeah, you know what I mean. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? Because I, I I've never thought about that. But you're you're absolutely right that there's. I know a lot of people who write write po- sometimes poetry, sometimes other stuff. But yeah, they're they're writers. And then when I'm like, oh, why don't you like come along to an open mic or like why don't you come along to to a slam and 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 give it a go? They're like, oh no, like no, I don't want it. I'm like. Why not? Like you've already written it. Yeah, well, give it a go. Or the or or yeah, the other way around. That like there might be performers who I'm like, oh, why, why don't you like look at, I don't know, publishing, making whatever. Like you know, mm. putting putting the stuff on the dead page <laughs> and getting it out to people that way. I think there's less resistance in that second category. I think that a lot of poets who read their work out loud or writers who read their work out loud yeah. do want credibility. Mm. With being published, whether that's mm. in a magazine or an online publication or yeah, probably right. a blog yeah. or on an Instagram post or whatever. Mm. But um, yeah, the other side is really interesting. And I find that no matter how much I get published or how much I teach poetry, um, the amount of comments that I've gotten <laughs> is astounding. Like, oh, well, I wish there was a real poetry class being taught here, even though I'm teaching just writing poetry, no performance in the class. Um, really? Yeah, that person won't ever listen to this podcast, so no, that's why I feel I mean, comfortable giving. Even, even then there's no, there's, even yeah. then there's no name. So, um, But like those kinds of comments of um, like, you know, uh, I'll get asked, I'll, I'll get a poem published and they're like, oh, could you give me a short one-line bio? And I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm a poet and blah, blah, blah. And then they'll still refer to me as a slam poet. Yeah. They'll bring it in without me prompting that. The amount that. of bios that someone has add slam poet to my bio mm. wow. is quite... It's quite, but that's that's and but that and that's the thing is that did happen in the states quite yeah. a bit and in some spaces it still does mm. but I but I do think that maybe it has to do with like the adult profession you know what I mean I, mm. they want to reg I think it's there's like a regulating of like yeah. oh this is your space and it's yeah. not this other and space part of me mm. wonders if that has to do with the way that you know arts are structured might mm. have a bit to do with it mm. as well because that you know to say that there's there's incredible poets that are also amazing performers that have been published for a long time mm-hmm. you look at people like Selena or Tusiata you know what i mean mm. but i think part of it has to do with the fact i'm just so tired of this conversation yeah. you know what i mean it's been going on for like decades you know yeah. but i think part of it too is just the idea that like if you're going to if you're going to get on stage and you're going to share your poetry if i'm going to go to a reading or a place where you present don't just don't waste my time if you wrote it like care about it and mm. say it like you care about it. That doesn't mean you're suddenly a slam poet or, or a spoken word artist. It just means you care about what you're saying. Yeah. So just do that. And don't don't be rude to other people because they feel the same way. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I feel bad because I feel like we're just specifically putting that on New Zealand because that's our current yeah, like, yeah, experience. Totally. But that's been all over the world. Yeah. I think it's, it's just an un- never ending conversation yeah. in the States. I think maybe it has to do with professional opportunities and timing, you know yeah. what I mean? And things like that. So it's a little less relevant. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I don't know. Like I'm excited about some of the, the young writers that are in there like you know, for lack of a better term, like the 20-somethings right now that are actually doing really cool stuff. So, yeah. I sounded so old. I'm like, I'm excited about those writers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was telling Dominic the other day, I feel so old all the time, and he's like, come hang out with me. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. 
I don't know. I feel young when I hang out with Dominic, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no shade. I feel really old because, like, my BFF is Jesse Fenton, who's nine years younger than me. And all we do is talk about our age differences. It's really upsetting. <laughs> She's amazing, though. Shout out, Jesse. Yeah, shout out, Jesse. I love you. <laughs> but, I mean, um, in terms of, like, exciting spaces in Auckland, I mean, obviously I know about cool stuff going on with poetry in Auckland. Mm. But I think, like, yeah, again, general public, people are still like, what? Like, what's, what's, what's like, where do I go for poetry in Auckland? And I'm like, ah. Like, I don't know. Like, there's a problem is that there's an oversaturation of, mm. of some opportunities mm. and people sometimes want to start their own thing mm. because they don't feel like that the current spaces that they're accessing speak to what they want it to speak mm. to, which is totally understandable. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think finding the community that fits you is a good idea. Yeah. And we've just tried to, I mean, we've been lucky that Jaffa has survived and thrived over the last five, six years mm. that we've been running it. But um, yeah, hopefully it's a community and a space that people want to come to. Can we talk a little bit about Jaffa and like what it is and what your yeah. involvement in it is? Because mm -hmm. yeah, I think this is something that I didn't find out about until like 2019, but that's about the time when I was like starting to write my own poetry. <laughs> Kombucha part. <laughs> so you're very shocked. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, and and yeah, I, a lot of a lot of my mates who aren't aren't involved in poetry don't know about it. So I I don't know. I just think it'll be an interesting thing for people to hear about, like what yeah what it even is. Um, yeah. So shortly after we moved here, we were running like what we called like the Auckland Slam, and we just ran a couple events way down at MIT, actually, in Otara, mm. um, with Michelle Dury, uh, mm. who helped found the National Poetry Slam. Um, and then we decided to kind of bring it more central and invent, uh, like, we kind of took charge of that event and renamed it, repackaged it as Jaffa Slam, mm -hmm. just another fucking Auckland Slam. Mm. But it's important who came up with the name. That was Mohammed. Oh. That was Mo's name. He came up with that. I, oh. Yeah. I didn't Shout remember that. Yeah, yeah. I've just always been focused on the fact that we're two Americans running, <laughs> I know. running it. Um, but yeah, so we, yeah, we just, we found Merge Cafe where it originally mm. was. So it was there from 2016 and 2017. And 2018, I think. I think, didn't, was it? 20, I, the years blur together yeah. for me. It was there for a while. Yeah, it was there mm. for a while and we ran events and then um we kind of took some time and we went to peace place and city side kind of split it and then last year throughout covid we <laughs> were able to make it just at city side but yeah it's a space that has an open mic sometimes has a feature um but always has a slam um and the idea that ken and i came to with it was that in new zealand there were lots of there weren't a lot of, there were a couple really big money prize slams that like the best of the best would come out and try to win a thousand dollars at these like big slams and festivals. Um, so there's Poetry Idol that Penny Ashton created at 
the Auckland Writers Festival mm-hmm. and there was Going West and they were like massive money prizes. Um, and that's not the space that Ken and I came from. At the Cantab Lounge where I started slamming, you won $10 and that was it. And so and you had to stick around until after the train stopped running. So it really didn't do you. Yeah, you were there for like four or five hours trying to win this like $10 slam. So we wanted to reduce the pressure of the one-time competition by having competitions throughout the year and having them be very low cost, low risk of, you know, slamming and your prizes 10 bucks and that's it kind of thing. And the procedure of just bragging to everybody who will listen. So yeah, we just wanted to create it like a safe community and a positive community space. And we also wanted to make sure that it was 18 plus for the slam because we wanted to try to cultivate a space specifically for adults and yeah, that's kind of anything else I need to say about Jaffa. <laughs> no, I feel like that's a pretty good summary. Yeah. Um, and I feel In like history you've got to say. No, I always look like I have something to say because I just get excited <laughs> and and I just need to be kind of quiet about it. Yeah. No, I think I think that was great. Yeah. I mean, that was just kind of the thing. It's just to run a slam, and then that slam feeds into a national competition. So there's other events that happen across the country, and we all kind of feed in. And that was all kind of started by. Michelle Dury and, and Michael Rudd. And Carrie was actually on the back end of a lot of that stuff, helping out throughout the years and, and kind of aiding as things went. Yeah, so we've we've had a hand in New Zealand Poetry Slam national finals and making that happen for many, many years. Yeah. But also, yeah, just founding Jaffa Slam. And for a long time, it was just Ken and I doing absolutely everything. And it's still us doing absolutely everything, but we've, we've roped several friends into it. So... Um, Carrie yeah. does most of it. Yeah. Ken MCs. I'm just the pretty face. That's yeah. It. Everybody sees you as the face of Slam, though. Yeah. Oh, like, no. Like once. <laughs> yeah. I think something else is that it, Jaffa is, is like such a, it feels like a baby of of mine, of ours, I guess, but it's also something that, that we do for, we do for free. Yeah. So all yeah. of it is volunteer work just because we wanted to create that community space. There's no like personal gain from it. And I think that's been really interesting. Ken was an organizer back in the States, but I didn't organize in the same way. Um, I toured a lot and performed a lot yeah. and competed a lot, but um, it's exhausting being an organizer. <laughs> so it's been, yeah, it's been kind of a new experience. And obviously we're always trying to like, you know, push off our own opportunities in that space so that other people have a chance to say something or perform or have a moment. Yeah, I think it was really clear for us when we first moved here that we wouldn't slam ourselves, you know? Um, except which, for the super duper boom boom fight night slam. Well, which Carrie keeps in truth, when when we when we talked about that when we first moved here, I thought we were going to live here for a year or two max. Yeah. I thought, oh, I'm still in my peak of slamming. I'll go back and win the Women of the World Poetry Slam in the states. <laughs> I didn't realize that I would like indefinitely be here, not slamming and fulfilling my competitive heart. So super duper <laughs> winning three times in a row has been really great. <laughs> I feel like again we need to, to clarify explain, for yeah. the listeners. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I feel like we really just jumped into stuff and there was no context for the conversation. Sorry. Well, in part because like what this kind of is, a, what kind of a podcast are you running? Here? This is how Ken and I just, listen to any of the episodes. Uh, this, is, uh, this is how Ken and I talk like when we're driving or talking or <laughs> sitting on our couch. Anyway, I feel like that's the vibe of this podcast: is come sit in the back seat of the car while people yeah chat. Like, is it? Yeah, because you're the third. 
So the super duper boom boom fight night slam was a. Te- oh, did I just interrupt? No, 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 no. I Men just talk it. over women. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new name of this podcast. I was just trying to make a, a tiny little joke, but it was. <laughs> it wasn't really a joke. It was more just hackening back to the title of the podcast where I said, "And you're the third wheel." Mm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're like part of this wheel right now. Well, Thanks. Yeah. I feel like you're controlling things pretty well, actually. I'm saying we're saying all kinds of scandalous stuff. So I know. Yeah. yeah. This is fine. Super duper. Super duper boom boom fight night slam is an event we do every year. We try to where um, we have teams of adult poets who come up with ridiculous teams of local poets um, and come up with their own names and just try to use it as an excuse to make art and do like, you know, kind of make team pieces and stuff like that. Cause that's a big thing in the youth competition and was a big thing in the national competitions and in, in the States is that you would have multiple people on a team mm-hmm. and that team does the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken is holding up fingers right now. Yeah. Holding up fingers <laughs> to demonstrate a team. And, uh, and, uh, and it's such a ridiculous idea anyway that, you know, you might as well just have fun with it. So, um, this year we had five teams, but usually we yeah, have four teams. Yeah, it was our first teams. time having five. Yeah. And, uh, and all the, all those teams get together and there's kind of a big lead up where everybody kind of talks crap to each other, but then you compete and everybody, every team puts in 50 bucks and the winners take the whole pot. But in the meantime, all the profits from the show end up going to the Mental Health Foundation, which mm. is, um, kind of the big purpose of it. Mm-hmm. It was cool. We got to do it as part of Auckland Fringe this year, which I think was pretty successful and fun. Mm-hmm. And, um... And uh, shout out to the fringe people. And yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, we yeah we liked we we keep coming up with like new slam ideas. So this year we'll have some new slams <laughs> themed out for Jaffa, which I think will be really fun. And part of that has to do with the fact that we have a committee now that is helping us with it. So yeah, so we have Dan Goodwin is the newest member of the committee, and then we have Eric Solkai and mm-hmm. Jesse Fenton. They're all helping as well. So Sounds that's an, like a council. It is. That's exactly <laughs> what we call it. I think it's, it is the council. So yeah, it's a fellowship. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 yeah, and you help too. You've been part yeah. of it. It's mm, been pretty good. Yeah, I'm trying to help where I can. <laughs> yeah. Abby Irwin has also been incredibly yeah. helpful, and I don't think I would function if it weren't for her at the events. <laughs> She's, she also refers to me as her mom. So yeah, really reinforcing that mom and dad (laughs) idea of poetry. Anyway. So yes, that's what we do. And yet we do our own, our own jobs, our own poetry things and stuff like that. But yeah, it's fun. I mean, I think in the States there's also this idea that you do community poetry events because you just like to do them. I don't don't actually think that's, I keep saying it's in the States, but I think it's in a lot of spaces. You do art stuff because you want to do it. Mm. You know, and and waiting around for other people to fund it or to accomplish something, I think, mm. you know, there's something that's kind of like actually empowering about just making it happen, you mm. know. And so, you know, if eventually if it's the kind of thing you can make money off of, that's great. Do it and figure out ways to do that. Um, but I think maybe that's just the way that we came from it. Is it was just something we wanted to do and it was something that, you know, other people that we were working with were doing and, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have any funding the first three or four years. Right, three years. Yeah, three years. We just, and that's why we charge, just because we're like everything just goes right back into, yeah, making it happen. And I think that that's what's also been kind of a point of difference is that like saying, oh, hey, this event is actually worth you paying to come to, because a lot of open mics are just koha, you know, if you can, then you know, and we don't want to exclude anyone ever. But I think also saying, hey, this is worth your worth worth the money Putting to, an s- yeah, on. to to say, yeah. 
this event is worth you charging to pay for? Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point, actually, the idea of charging for it because, um, again, like with visual art, selling visual art for money, selling prints or, mm. or even originals or whatever for money, that's not like an outrageous thing. Yeah. Nobody would be like, what, you're charging money for that? Yeah. And also with gigs, even though gigs are like music gigs are very cheap in Auckland. <laughs> um, again, like if you charge for a gig, nobody's going to be like, what, I have to pay money to see live music? Ever? Like that's an acceptable thing. Yeah. But I think um, the idea of paying money to go to poetry is maybe – a, a slightly new concept for a lot of people, but I think it's that's exactly right that it actually acknowledges the value and the work that yeah. has gone into it. Mm. And it's been working. Like since 2016, people have paid money to come every month to Jaffa when there's been an event. And it's something that I learned very early in my career touring was that if you... Uh, create a product, you need to tell people what that product is worth mm. and they will pay that amount if they want that product. Mm. Um, in the States, there was this common practice that I really hated where poets would say, oh, sliding scale, $5 to $10, pay what you can for my book or my CD that I'm selling. And uh, no shame to anybody who did that, but I hated it because I was like, that tells me that you don't know the value of what you want me to purchase when in fact I would much rather you say this book is worth $10. If you can't afford that, come up and chat kind of mm. idea, you mm. know? Mm. Are you smiling because you did that? Oh, yeah, I'm sure at some point. That's not what I was smiling. I was just smiling because I was smiling. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's important to be like this is what this is worth and and then that that adds value to that that thing, that event, that that moment your art you yeah. know yeah absolutely do you think um do you, oh there's a helicopter hovering over us yeah <laughs> <laughs> they found us it's the poetry police um yeah do you think that poets in Auckland maybe struggle with that idea a little bit of like I don't know um, really, or maybe older poets more so. I don't know. Maybe that's why they don't come. The the idea of, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, being proud of their work and really, like, feeling okay sharing that and people paying money to, to come see that, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Because I feel like New Zealand copes with the whole, like, tall poppy syndrome thing anyway. I, I can't really speak about the tall poppy syndrome like I see it happen but I just kind of yeah like if that's somebody's jam then that's that's their jam I guess you know <laughs> tall poppy syndrome if that's your jam <laughs> if it is like yeah I don't know I just I think everybody's gonna have issues with sharing their work out loud or seeing value I think there's a bigger issue with do certain people people of certain ages or communities see value in sharing poetry at a poetry slam and I think we very specifically chose poetry slam to occur and to happen and not just be an open mic mm. because we knew that it wasn't something that was happening regularly mm. um like Auckland Uni does like a one-off slam a year, but like mm. there's just, it's usually just like one random thing. And so we wanted to create something where it was destigmatizing 
what that phrase means. And obviously it could take much longer to destigmatize it, but that's part of why I think it was important to create that space. Mm. Well, I also think there's this thing that, um, with those, when they were, you know, with like big money slams, you just have those big events and there's suddenly all those pressure and it does feel like a competition less so than a show. And that's the thing mm. about the slam that to me has always been great when I finally wrap my head around it is that it is a show. You know, mm. the way that we would often describe it to young people is that... Um, I've always felt it's a competition. <laughs> it's like, um, and if you're doing it... about you. I know. <laughs> and if you're doing it, then have fun and take mm-hmm. it seriously. You know what I mean? Don't just... Because um, sometimes if you, if you kind of... And take this from experience or whatever. If you don't take this slam seriously, then it, it ruins the opportunity for someone else who might have put that work into it and really wants it to be a thing, you know. But I, I do think that, like, um, as far as, like, the, you know, taking the competition seriously and putting your all into it. But I, 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 I think uh, what, what we used to say is that, like, instead of a poet, just imagine you're a sculptor. And instead of making poets, you, poems, you make tiny little sculptures, right? Mm. Every once in a while, you take those sculptures out of the gallery or off the pedestal and you put them on a chessboard and you play chess with them. Right. Mm. So win or lose, you still created all these beautiful pieces of art. And that's what you should be doing. You're an artist who sometimes just likes doing this. Mm-hmm. And imagine you get a bunch of people who come around to want to watch you play that chess game. And that inspires them because they get to see all of your amazing chess pieces. And they mm-hmm. normally wouldn't do that because they wouldn't go to the galleries. They're just going to come to this game. Right. Because mm-hmm. they want to see the game. Mm-hmm. And when they see the game, they're like, oh, look at all that beautiful stuff. I feel like I want to do that, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you, at the end of it, win or lose, you take them, you put them back in the gallery or whatever, and that, that's, those are your poems. Do you know what I mean? You're just using your poems at that time to do this game and have fun yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's going to be moments where you take it seriously or you don't, or you get sad because you don't win, or you get happy because you do, or, you know, and that's, that's, that's fun of it. That's, that's part of the fun of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you take it out of that context of it just being another avenue for art, then of course you're going to take it too seriously. Right? Mm. And I think when you have a regular ongoing event where people are constantly slamming and just sort of enjoying it and modeling that, yeah, you know, and I think that's the same thing for everything. You need somebody to give you a model for yeah. how something can be done. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I think right now, actually, there's a lot of, I mean, like, there's cool poetry shows that are taking place that people are paying money for, but they're still yeah. like big events. It's not that ongoing thing. There's very rarely that ongoing thing. You know? I think also something that you said made me think that when we started we had almost no one who wanted to slam yeah. and everyone wanted to watch. Mm. We were, we would have to beg people that we knew, like we sometimes we'd have two slammers and that was it. And we'd have to beg somebody like to do it because mm. no one wanted like maybe tall poppy, but like nobody wanted to get up and read. And now we have the opposite problem or not even an opposite problem, but like we, have, we have so have many people readers, who yeah. want to read or who are regulars. And that's because, of cultivating that space and creating that space, you know? I feel like 2019 was a little worrisome because we were a little bit worried about the audiences dropping, but the audiences are back up right now, which has been pretty great, you know, because, and, but you suddenly had all these poets who wanted to slam, right? Yeah. Now that's, now they're, they've kind of balanced themselves out. Like Super Duper was super packed. It was so much fun. Yeah. I'm really gutted that I missed it. I burnt out that afternoon and it was, yeah, I would not have been a good time. (laughs) It was, it was a great night. Yeah, I, but- I won. It was great. Don't know if you heard. <laughs> wow. Okay. Here we go. Who won again, Carrie? Was it? Me. <laughs> the Godmothers won. Your team won. Yeah. yeah, I was on it. So me. I'm not lying. Wait, God. Mothers? The Godmothers. The Godmothers. Mothers. Yeah. Mm. Ah. 
Nice. The mothers of the slam. The godmothers. Which was an incredible team. And that was a good night, too, because you saw a lot of people from different aspects of the poetry scene. Who yeah, it was slamming, great. Which was really great. It was like from, you know, former Word the Frontline youth poets to mentors to um, old school South Auckland Poets Collective members, you know, and, you know, and, and the then Jaffa like, scene. And, yeah, and po- Poetry Live people and yeah. City Side, like they put up a team and that was really dope. It was really so. great, yeah. Yeah. So, it was fun. It was a fun night. My favorite. Yeah. Carrie, how, how did you get into poetry? Yes. This what? is Yeah, because we, we got like <laughs> super Ken's distracted. Whole whole history. And now it's your turn. This is what it's like dating him. What? What just, I give you a, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> just just like thirty minutes of Ken talking about something. Um <laughs> basically you'll learn in this podcast that I'm a mean person and Ken's a really nice person um how did I get into poetry um god I've said this so many times um I wrote my first poem when I was a girl scout I was 12 years old um and then I wrote a lot of really terrible love poetry in high school in a journal and I didn't share it with anybody and then um yeah and I was not an angry child I was a very um heartbroken and uh, in want of love child, I guess, um, waiting for Ken Arkin to walk into my life. And uh, I went to college and I uh, signed up for a class called Poetry as Performance, which was my first semester. It was the only time that class was ever offered at my university. Wow. And so it was very serendipitous because I would not be sitting here or dating Ken if I hadn't taken that class. Wow. Um, because they took me to the Cantab Lounge the second week of class, which was an open mic at a bar, a dive bar in Boston. And um, I went every Wednesday for six years um, and it just became my life. And yeah, like a whole lots of other stuff. But I started a club at my university, Poetry Club, and um, was on the very first slam college slam team for my university. And yeah, and then was on like multiple adult teams and did multiple individual world competitions in the States and such and became like a touring poet and published work and albums and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it just like bloomed into my life, um, which was not my degree in college. Mm -hmm. I have a film production degree. Great. I I mean, same. All (laughs) from production, but yeah, Yeah, yeah. same buzz. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we could talk about so much. Um, But yeah, no, yeah, poetry just completely became my life. And so I'd say I started performing in 2005. Um, I started slamming in 2000 and, um, oh, I keep knocking this, 2008. Um, and I started touring professionally in 2010. Wow. I think, yeah. I think that's kind of the trajectory. But yeah, I was on a lot of great slam teams um, in Boston and... LA and also represented Denver once at a national competition as well. So yeah, we used to have like competing agents actually in the college scene. Mine was very brief. Yours was very long. Anyway. Yeah. We both used to be like professional full-time poets and then we moved here. Mm. (laughs) What about, um, I feel like this is a semi-rude question, but what what about making money? Do you know what I mean? Like, were you making enough money from poetry to live during that time? Mm. Ken was, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we I toured 
professionally. That's how I made all of my money for about seven years. I, I worked with young people and I started, I actually, I mean, it kind of co-founded or started the, the youth organization I ran called Minor Disturbance. It was like Minor Disturbance Youth Poetry mm. Project. And um, we, I would do that because when I was back off the road, I had nothing to do. So I was just sitting in Denver. So it was easy for me to be a community organizer mm. and doing those things and to be not just involved in the art scene, but also in some of the local politics and things like that. So mm. I had time to do that. Mm. Um, and so I started going into classrooms kind of for fun. And we would charge for the workshops, but I would use that money to help fund our trips to like event national events for the young people and stuff like that. Right. But yeah, so I did that full time. Yeah. yeah, you did too. No, yeah. but I often supplemented. Like, I could go on tour for a significant period of time, or like yeah. even a year. But mm-hmm. I often, for a long time, supplemented by waitressing, and um, or was working in the film industry, mm-hmm. or um, I got like my first uh, chance to teach a performance poetry class when oh, I was yeah. in oh, California cool. and stuff. And so, like, I would kind of maybe do some work and then like go on the road and do like 40 shows in 30 days kind of idea. And like, yeah, yeah, just like book a whole big tour. Um, There were two years I didn't pay rent anywhere. I was just (laughs) traveling and touring and doing shows or yeah, bumming around kind of backpacking or something like that. So yeah, Yeah. I feel like it's weird because sometimes I forget. I've been reflecting on the fact that like I've lived many lives and it's weird to have gotten to an age where I can like be like oh wow like that was like a specific chapter of my life and mm. the people and characters and songs and smells like of that chapter oh the smells you know what I mean like happened at this specific time um but yeah but poetry's been there for like so much of that and there were different stages of that like the kinds of poems I was writing or the album that I produced at that time or the book that I published at that time or mm. Um, who was influencing me at the time um, were really, really important to me. Um, yeah, at various points in my career. Well, and I do think the touring thing specifically is. A I bit love easier. touring. Yeah, it's a, and it's something that I do miss. Even though towards the end there, I got really burned out because I was on the tour. I was on the road like seven months out of the year. Whoa. You know, and so I'd come home to my little apartment in Denver, which I loved, and go see my friends' bands play. And then, you know, but, um, and so I think, uh, um, and eventually that's one of the reasons I moved more into teaching. But, mm. you know, it's like it was actually like a relief, mm. you know, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but it was really true. But I also think that there's opportunities for that a bit more just based on space. Yeah, in the States, and the you know amount I mean? of there's venues. There's so many cities and venues and things you can do, so you can do that a little bit easier. Um, and we and would I, go to universities. Like universities pay a lot of money in the States yeah. to have poets come perform mm. for an yeah. hour. So it's like a sustainable income that you can live off of or make do with. And I think about the time we came here is when that really kind of started to really peak because that's when button poetry started to blow up and yeah. that kind of changed a lot of landscapes. And I think sometimes when people think, yeah. people say like, oh, like I don't like spoken word because I think it's cringy. I think the first thing they think of is something that was on button poetry, which was Excuse so... Me. That's exactly it. Excuse yeah, me. which was exactly so it. different. Excuse than, me. I've been featured on button poetry six I've times. I've been featured on button And poetry. it's really yeah. upsetting to hear you say that because I am also... <laughs> I'm there. But no. Poetry is a spectrum. Okay. No, yeah, totally. Yeah. There's so many great poets that are on it. And not to say the other poets aren't, but I do think that's what a lot of what people, because they started yes. cultivating a certain sound. Yes. Because that's, they would get, certain poets would get more clicks. And I think that got overfed into people's heads. So they yes. seem to think. And and then there's also this idea that there's button poets. Like we go out and we find the button poets. But like, <laughs> yeah. actually they were filmed at a lot of competitions and things like that. Oh yeah. That, and you know? no one got paid unless you got over um million views something like that well, yeah. you you don't yeah. get paid on that channel unless you hit a million views yeah and maybe that policy's changed at this point or something but i don't think so 
Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, but anyway, so I think that is the thing that pops up. But not to think that like, but obviously like, that's not representative of what's going on in the city or a scene or great poets in places, you know? Mm. So yeah, I, I, it's like anything. Like, I'm not But gonna that's s- what's interesting about venues, because I wrote a whole thesis about this in college, um, was that like venues shape audiences and audiences shape venues and featured poets shape how those audiences write about poems and how the poets write about him and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so like I used to witness in my own, like kind of, you know, nebulous, uh, venue, like a new poet would come in and completely change the sound of everyone else who was writing poetry at the time. Right. They would just blow everyone's mind and everyone wanted to sound and use language like they were using language. Yeah. Right. And then you would have that also happen on a bigger scale in a national scene, like at the national poetry slam or the individual world poetry slam or the women of the world poetry slam where a poet who you'd never heard of from, you know, Bellingham, Washington would come in and just blow everyone away. And then that's reverberating into their local scenes mm. from that national but then you have Button come along and YouTube come along and that changes in a completely different way where it's uniforming people all over the all world, over the world yeah. to sound the specific way whereas like you're then you're kind of homogenizing things and it goes back to this idea that I part of the reason I really love New Zealand poetry is that it didn't sound like Button you know yeah um, yeah and I have a whole thing, like, I, yeah, Australian poetry and British poetry have lots of kind of rappy, rhymy similarities. But there are storytelling narrative similarities between New Zealand poetry and American poetry, which is, I think, part of why we were able to kind of fit. Mm. Yeah, and there is, so, I mean, it's, it's so exciting. I mean, I don't know. I'm always going to talk about the exciting things that are happening in the scene, I think. I think, I like, I mean, look at poets like Jai Selkirk and Philip. You're and them, such like, a name dropper. I know. Well, because I want to give them shout outs. <laughs> yeah. That's why I do yeah. it. I'm such a shout out. Yeah, this is a real shout out podcast as Good. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love cool. that. <laughs> yeah, like all, all, all those boys, you know, like Philip and Jaden and, and Nathan, <laughs> they all kind of developed like a, you know what I mean? And other poets around them, they developed a very specific kind of sound, which is narrative, storytelling, but also huge wordplay. <gasps> New Zealand loves, um, uh, uh, what? Uh, wordplay? No, what's the first sound? Why I'm a poetry teacher. Why can't I say this on my alliteration? <laughs> Folks oh. love alliteration here oh, and yeah. are so good at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's something that's really exciting to hear because there's something, there's like actual brand new styles that are existing. Mm-hmm. And it would be unfortunate that if someone's like, oh, I saw Button Poetry once, I don't like that, so I don't want to go hear what some dude yeah. who grew up right down the street from me is going to be saying something that's totally original and unique and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And what's amazing about that is that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wish. Yeah, and it goes back to like, New Zealand, different cities and places in New Zealand have its own sound. And I've been lucky to tour all over the country and witness a lot of it. Like we, for a couple of years, we ran the Nelson Slam finals, which was like a lot of bush poetry, like a lot of older white dudes that read poems about the bush. And it was Mm -hmm. awesome. And like, it was great. And that's very different than Christchurch and very different than Wellington and very different than Auckland. Auckland's Mm -hmm. very political a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Wellington's very... You know, I would think at a certain time and period in time, it was like more based on like humor, humor and, and yeah. puns and wordplay and maybe not so much now, um, you know, so different styles exist even within New Zealand mm. and those poetry scenes. Mm. We get really excited to talk about stuff. I realize we're just talking. I know we're just, we're just talking. I feel really bad. I feel no, like we kind of just. No, take... that's what this is. You okay, guys cool. are doing the correct thing. Okay, good. Okay, good, cool. Good yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
We're right. steamrolling our third wheel. Because I, I feel like with the third wheel idea, like maybe you had like an agenda or some no. other things you wanted to I ask mean, and now we're I, suddenly kind of. This is, okay, this is going to sound really wild, but you guys are actually doing exactly what I had planned and I'm sort of like really subtly pulling strings. So thanks, guys. I <laughs> knew it. I oh knew it. God. You're a genius. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think, I think this stuff is really fascinating for a lot of people who don't know much about poetry mm. because that's that's exactly it, that a lot of um, New Zealanders who I've spoken to who are curious about poetry but have never been to a slam or even an open mic in New Zealand, that's it. They've heard button poetry and that's what they – that's all they've heard and that's what they yeah. think it is. So this is like a whole – there's a whole new realm for, I think, a lot of people, a lot of people. And now they've heard this podcast and they're like, I'm never going to hang <laughs> out with those people. They talk way too much about poetry. What? What? Why? That's ridiculous. Imagine if someone listened to a music podcast and was like, I'm never going to listen to music because these people <laughs> like <you>. music. <laughs> Are you wearing your new hat? I am wearing my new hat. I didn't notice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, it's a. Sorry, we had a conversation about this hat yesterday, and if Ken should start wearing it. Yeah, it's one of my eighteen Denver Nuggets hats. I have a Facebook. I have a, I have a crew of poets. I have a crew of poets called that. We 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 hang out. We're all like people that are poets that also like basketball. It's really oh, nerdy. It's called poets it's very in the paint. Niche. Oh, uh, my God. some big names are in that group, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put them on blast. So yeah, but it's cool. We just oh, you're not just, gonna name drop right now. No, not not Jordan Hamill. Um, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but no, we just kind of like mob around and just like share basketball stuff and it's cool. Yeah, yeah. But oh. yeah, I'm sorry. I just wanted to this, put that And that's there. why you're wearing the hat. That's I feel why like it's a bring it full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting besides, I mean, because you've, you've talked a little bit about what you think, what other people have said to you about the poetry mm. scene, but why are, why have you, because you, 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 you mob deep at the poetry scenes, the, at the poetry <laughs> stuff these days. Like you show up and it'd be yeah. interesting to see what you think about it and what you're excited about and. Yeah. yeah, give us your thoughts. My yeah. thoughts. Well, what what exactly is the question? Real life feedback. <laughs> what? Well, well, like what what brought you? What makes you want to come out and 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 be a part of it? Because you slammed and done really well, and you know you have good poems. And thanks, guys. Um, that's actually why I got you on here, so you could give me compliments. Um, Sweet, <laughs> no problem. Um, I got into poetry. Um, I mean, you know, I'd written here and there, uh, just like for myself, but more just like in, in a sort of therapeutic journal kind of way as, as one does. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, when I came back from Switzerland, um, Muhammad was in the country and I knew Muhammad from journalism school. Mm. Yeah. Um, love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Um, and, um, I saw him perform as a feature poet out in GI. Mm. Yeah. I can't remember what the context was. Was that stand-up poetry? It was that was it that been stand up. It, Yeah, it was at yeah. Teodoro. It would have been stand-up. Um, and it was, it was at the school that I was working at. I think we're thinking about getting a team together and then a group of teachers went to the stand-up just to like mm. see. And I was like, oh, I know Muhammad, let's all go. So we went and I saw him perform and it's the first time I'd seen him perform and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh I think I God, remember that feature. 
Yeah. Yeah, because it was like around the time that he was doing that like promo with the balloons and stuff, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, So I was like, whoa, this is like incredible. So that year I wrote a lot. Mm. Like I made a real effort to write. And then um, a person in my life who is a musician, um, he'd shared a lot of his music with me. And he was like, you know, what's your jam? So I read one of my poems to him and he was like, you have to perform this. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, this is just my stuff. And he's like, no, like the point of this is that <laughs> you share it with the world. And I was like, mm. <laughs> so it's still, so I was still a little bit like, I know, but I don't want to. And then I went to go see Mo and Dom at um, Strange Goods. Mm. And that night was just like so adorable and lovely and I just like put it in my head. I was like, the next opportunity I get, I'm going to read. And I think there was going to be a stand-up stand up poetry in GI again and then lockdown happened. Oh, yeah. Mm. And so after lockdown, then that's the first time I actually performed poetry. What? Like last year? Yes. That's amazing. I, my brain, in, I, in my mind, you've just been there for like a really long time. Yeah, yeah. I was like, obviously, sorry, it's been coming for like ages. No. Yeah. no. Oh, wow. Then no wonder you have this <laughs> mom and dad perceptive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm relatively fresh. But um, that's great that you weren't scared away by us because I feel like people, I always worry that people come to Jaffa and it's like such a like rowdy people who know each other kind of bombardment that other group that people won't feel included no but no does it not feel it it definitely feels like very I think part of the reason why you feel so included is because of the way that it's set up like Mm. at at city side the fact that there's like couches and everybody Mm. sort of just like sits together it's like yeah you know and also straight up Ken the emceeing and the fact that you make us interact with each other like forced into it that works (laughs) yeah it works you know like no I've never because I've taken a range of different people along Mm -hmm. schlepped them along Um, thank you (laughs) thank you um and each time they're like wow like I got to know someone tonight or like you know and it it works um I think the idea of it I think a lot of Kiwis would be like, oh, that freaks me out, like being forced to interact with people that I've not met before and it's like cheesy and hammy, but the reality is that it works and people mm. love it. Is this, I mean, adults are, just, adults are just bigger children, right? And that's what we do with kids in the classroom. We, when we force them, we give them activity to interact with each other. They do it and they love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's the same at the slams. It's just it's activities. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it yeah. is. All right, everybody, shake hands. Yeah. Say hello. Scream together. Yeah. Scream about your feelings. We're gonna do the yeah. roller coaster. A lot of these things people the are like, coaster. what? <laughs> come, come to Jaffa and you'll find out. Yeah, come to Jaffa and we'll go on a roller coaster. Sometimes once I wasn't sure if it was a compliment or not, but someone came up to me after I think it might have been after this last event, and they were just like, I saw you and I thought. Is that the roller coaster guy? And it was. It was the roller coaster guy. <laughs> it was up to Yeah, I'm not I was and I I I think it was a good thing. I'm not sure. Definitely a good yeah. thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'd rather be known as the roller coaster guy than like the booger guy or something. You know? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know, I'm just saying like other terrible it's been a long things. Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went through a lot today to get here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've I've always felt welcome. I mean, I've always known that I've been a, a little bit of an outsider coming in because like I've I've not been on the scene very long and I didn't, you know, I'm not But like I really hope you know that that can't be the case because in my mind you'd been coming for like 3 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I just assumed you'd been like around for a while. And so, yeah. Please don't feel like an outsider cuz in my mind you're already on the inside. <laughs> Um, I think that's the cool thing about the poetry stuff too, though, because a lot of us feel yeah. like we're outsiders in those spaces. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And getting any space where you get to be able to, like, you know, for lack of a better term, just say what you want to say, or maybe in a kind of a pure, kind of cheesy way, just get applauded for being yourself. Yeah. It's a cool thing. Yeah. You know, exactly. So. Yeah. And people are going to use the microphone for different purposes and different reasons, you know, yeah. whether that's just to vent or to elevate their craft. Like, those are, yeah. and those are shared and and equal purposes yeah. in that space. You know, it's yeah. an uncensored space for a reason. Yeah. 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 And I think uh, this is sort of coming back to the whole like outside perception of poetry from people who don't know much about poetry. Um, or don't have much experience with it. Um, one of the things that I hear a lot from people is I, I don't get it. You know, mm. I don't get poetry. And I think, this is, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tirade here. No, go something I've been it. thinking Who about. Who are these to... people? <laughs> um, I think the bar for interacting with poetry, people set the bar really high for themselves. Like when you look at a piece of art, when you listen to music, I'm going back to those two at all times, but most no, forms good. of art, if you have some kind of emotional reaction, any kind of emotion, even if that reaction is like annoyance or confusion, or whatever, any kind of emotional reaction, that is enough. That is already enough for most people with any kind of art to interact with it. They don't then usually go, oh, I don't get it. They've had an emotional reaction and that's an interaction with mm. it. But with poetry, I feel like when they interact with a poem, if they don't understand some of the words or if they've, they feel like they've, they've missed some kind of metaphor they've they haven't you know like they haven't fished for how how the poem is made then they don't get it and so they they feel like they're not allowed to interact with it whereas if they just accept some kind of emotional reaction that they have as a valid hmm. you know response and that is actually enough yeah then you know then they actually do get poetry but i think a lot of people don't don't think that that's enough they feel like they have to get hmm. i'm doing bunny ears get the, oh my the God. poem. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, this would be, but I don't understand so many poems, but it's, that's fine. You know, yeah. like it's about the ones that you do connect with and you do understand. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to like every song on an album. Like 100%. you're going to like specific songs and yeah. you don't have to like or get every poem that you hear yeah. at a poetry event or in a poetry book, mm. but you're going to connect with certain ones and mm. they're going to speak to you and your mm. emotions and life mm. experience. Mm. And that it's all about connection, right? right? It's exactly. all about, it's all about exerting that emotion and, mm. and having a real yeah. interaction. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I love is that, that we get to go to live art 
regularly. Like mm. that live art is a regular part of my life and that I get to emotionally experience something in person, in the moment mm. that can't be replicated mm. ever again. Even if that person performs at home again, it won't be the exact same. Mm. Like mm. that that's what that shared space of performance poetry is about. Mm. And also I really hate the word spoken word. I'm just going to put it out there. No, no, no. No, It's it's just, it's just a constant thing. And I really love the words performance poetry. (laughs) Maybe I'll start using that as as my hashtag. No, you can totally use spoken word as your hashtag, but it's such a, it's such a, it's such a thing here. Well, it's such a, I mean, it's, it was the same in the States. You would have spoken word and people would say I'm a spoken word artist of poetry, things like that. But I do think it is, the definition is so incredibly clamped on here. Mm. And therefore when it's clamped on, that helps create those barriers we were talking about earlier. Like there's spoken word and then there's poetry. Yeah. And that's a bit frustrating. And of course these things interact and, and commingle. Like if you don't address that, then that's ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and especially when you get into like the traditions of poetry in different cultures, mm, you know, and how that yeah. works, whether it's whether it's an oral tradition or a written one or whatever it is, like, mm. um, I, it's just. But when you set those kind of lines up so fiercely, it does make people think that there's only oh so far that they can go. Mm. And I think if we were to like, you know, you can use spoken word, but not take it so seriously. Mm. If we were to remove that boundary and just start referring to a lot of this as just a different kind of straight poetry, not mm. spoken word poetry or poetry, then mm. perhaps there'd be more opportunities and more professional development, more opportunities mm. to tour and people would yeah. take it more seriously. Mm. I do think that fear and anxiety and specifically fear of judgment prevents people from doing a lot of things and mm. that prevents people from enjoying art forms. Mm. Poetry, to me, it's so funny to me too sometimes once, you know, when I, maybe it's because it's such a huge part of my life and always has been, but poetry to me is like, it's such a necessary art form. It's the art form that we use to translate other art forms. It's you use poetry to talk about other things, right? Mm-hmm. You have to or to communicate about it. And like, I was scared to go to galleries or to do see any of that stuff because I was constantly thinking that I got that wrong. I'm like, yo, I like graffiti art. I like this kind of stuff. I like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but does that mean that I actually like real art? So if I see like, you know, like a Rothko or whatever, I, I was, like, I know you Rothko. do. And so I'd be like, I don't <laughs> like my feelings. Like once, once I allowed myself to just be like, this is what I get from it, and I. I don't have to search harder if I don't want to, mm. then that's fine. And then suddenly those floodgates opened, mm. right? Suddenly I could look at things and, and really pull more stuff out of it, mm. but stop being concerned so much about whether I was supposed to get it or not get it. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and mm. yeah, I don't know. I'm, that's I'm too inclusive. That's, that's, no, I mean, I think, I think that's definitely the kind of space that you two create with Jeff. I mean, I know it's not just you two, but your leaders in the space mum and dad of the space, Um, that kind of space which allows people to just like have an experience with poetry in in whatever way and like that that's valid and you don't take it too seriously Mm. and you know you're not you're not asking people to like give feedback or you know be like oh what did you think of that poem or like you know there's no space for that so it's just kind of like you and it also um, we we brought the American style of having random judges from the audience, yeah. whereas New Zealand's big slams were really focused on professional, um, reputable, like uh, celebrity judges, celebrity judges, mm. and who are also valid and bring a validity to a space, mm. but they make it really serious. Mm. And we were like, that's not the that's not to us the point of slam. Yes. The point yeah. is that 
there is no point. You have to yeah. actually yeah. make yeah. it as ludicrous yeah. as possible while sticking yeah. to the rules because then otherwise it, yeah. it and kind of so, the point. And you're yeah. also inviting the audience to be part of that decision making. Yeah. And in truth, like by the time we got to 2020, like the judges take it so seriously <laughs> that it's like we're like, no, no, be more differential and who you like because we need to have a winner, you know? Yeah. Um, but I like that, that power to the people and that the audience um, – because I've been writing a lot of funding applications, the audience <laughs> is a necessary participant in the night. The night would yeah. not happen without the audience because yeah. we would, wouldn't have judges, and you I'm, know? And we'll delay a slam for way past Carrie's patience level. Oh, my God. To get the right judges, I feel like. If I can get the most, like, you know, diverse judge panel we possibly can. I do think it's different in youth <laughs> events and youth slams and stuff because I no, think that just, they end up... I'm thinking about, like, my biggest pet peeve is Ken starting Java Slam late. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. It worked out. She still hangs out. So yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think it's different in certain situations. I think totally. like youth events and things like that, it's really important because there is that thing that does happen. It slams it. Sometimes mm. you get a jerk who's a judge. But I've, when been, you, I've gotten a 2.5. Yeah, but when you recognize that you got a jerk that's a judge and that somebody, you know, like you can get a 2.5, then it's fine. Do you mean you yeah. realize that it is kind of silly? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, and hopefully you create a good enough space or environment or community that people are able to just kind of enjoy it. Yeah. And to remind people to not take it too seriously, which is way I'm like I have cried over slams that I have not yeah. won, of course, because yeah. I put my heart on the line, yeah. you know, yeah. and I wanted to achieve something. But at the end of the day, like the slam isn't. Yeah. Why are you laughing at me? I, I just think you're cool. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I was smiling. I wasn't a laugh. <sighs> I love you. This is a cringy podcast. Here. I love you. <laughs> Stop. Um, <laughs> Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Love that. I've also cried over Ken Arkine, but anyway, neither here nor oh there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look, it's a safe space. Thanks. <laughs> Can I go home and be cringy about it later? Um, all right, we should probably do haiku. Oh. Did you write one, Ken, or are you going to make one up on the spot? He told me he was just going to make farting noises for 575. <laughs> Great. Did you write one? Yeah, I did, but you're going to go first. Oh, no, no, you go first. No. He's thinking of one in his head right now. No, I, I know, do. because Ken's an expert at making them up on the spot. Oh, great. Do you want me to go? Yeah. Yeah, you go. I'm just going to fill the dead air a little so bit. So does no, everybody no. write a haiku? Every, everybody does it. That's right. That's Every guest that I've had on has written a haiku, mm. yes. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Except Ken Arkin. Okay. Well, he's making, he's writing These, one in his head. Yeah. Barefoot, soft, salty. I brush fingers in your hair. Mountains dressed in mist. Aww. That's a real haiku, too. Yeah, it's purpose. real. Because yeah. about nature, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. That haiku is why I don't write love poems. Yours are so good. I weep. Freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I can't, like, you know, he's so good. I hate him. And this is why you guys run poetry events. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. the bar. If you want to come to a poetry event, you have to be that good. Kidding, I'm kidding. Please yeah. come. Easy bar. <laughs> Just come. Come, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sweet. Cool. Thanks, team. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.